bilateral knee replacement your best recovery. If you are considering going for two, this is the Facebook chat group for you. We have an incredibly active membership made up of many wonderful people who have already gone through a bilateral knee replacement. They have a lot to say about it. Of course, it's free to join. Search Facebook groups for bilateral knee replacement, your best recovery. You are most welcome to join the conversation and make the most of your bilateral knee replacement surgery. Hello and welcome to the Bees Knees Podcast. This is your host, PJ Ewing. What a crazy week. Wow. The stock market up and down, coronavirus hitting, the president making speeches. Wow. Man, it's really affected our X10 company as well. We're in the midst of implementing all kinds of safety protocols and getting our team all the gear that we need. And those have been implemented already. So we're we're on it. And in fact, this X10 is going to be in more demand than ever just because it is recovery at home without the need of a lot of people. You can even do your recovery without a visit to a clinic if you need to or want to. It's a safe recovery system in the house versus running into a lot of people. And I know we're all a little concerned, at least right now, about that. So it's been nutty, uh, but I'll end the week, this crazy week in March, with a terrific interview that I did at the beginning of the week with Gary Pendergraf. Gary is a really lovely man. We had a great long talk. Let's go ahead and uh, push play and listen to my conversation with Gary Pendergraf about his remarkable saving recovery from a potential manipulation under anesthesia. Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Gary, this is going to be fun. I'm really, I've been looking forward to this as well for a while. And um, charting your success and your progress and everything has been, has been really cool. But I don't want to dive into your knee actually at all to start. Let's talk about you, your background and where you live and just tell me your story a little bit. Well, like I said, I've always been an energetic guy. I love sports. Uh, uh, over the years, I've Adopted into bowling. I'm an avid bowler. My work ethic is pretty stout. I've always been a, a hard worker. 40-hour week in my job does not exist. I've always been a Christian-based guy. I value my ethics of my religion very strong uh, with my Christian beliefs. I've always questioned why I was able to happen to go through this, but I figured the Lord would show me in some time why. Religion-wise, uh, how have you, how are you raised? I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Uh, I'm an Assembly of God product. <clears throat> That's one thing that I was blessed with was the the people that I came across from X10, Corky. You really and, uh, bonded, didn't you? With it was Cork yeah. and Trisha and, and David. All of them, all of them, been top notch. They would feed me stuff on scriptures. I'd feed them back on scriptures, and it was just a blast for me. Because wow. it was, I wasn't just getting uh, treatment on my knee. I was also getting treatment on my spiritual side. So let's go back. You were raised in the Pentecostal church. Is this 
are you in the, your hometown? Uh, is this where you started, or have you moved around? And, and tell us where you're from in Oklahoma as well. I was from a small country town of about 300, and uh, I was uh, there for about 27 years. And I actually left the state of Oklahoma for three years in Houston. Left there and came back to Tulsa, and I've been back in Tulsa with my and my wife for uh, since 1993. We came back to uh, Tulsa, and where I got involved in doing inspections. So I'm a, a licensed radiographer, and I do a lot of quality control work. Radiography, tell us about that. Uh, I X-ray metal. Sometimes I uh, actually use chemical analysis as a big part of my job. I test metals to see if it's the right grade, make sure that the welders are putting the right metal into place. The x-ray side of it, I look for voids that the welders put in there. I kind of make sure that they're doing the things correctly. As a college student, I worked in a factory for a few years uh, that our family had created, my dad had built, and I did some arc welding, just sort of machine repair kind of stuff, really basic, nothing sophisticated. It was junior league, really. But uh, So I'm a little bit familiar with, you know, getting a good weld and, and working with metals myself. Are, do you do this for an, uh, in the government, for the state, for a company right now? Uh, I do for, for a company, but uh, we are contracted to go into several other companies and to verify that they uh, – are doing things correctly. We're a non-destructive testing company out of Tulsa, and we travel mostly just in the Oklahoma's Tulsa area. We have NDT procedures that we go out to check with, and like so, I'm what they call a level two. So uh, I'm, like I said, radiography, um, chemical analysis, what they call OES, then there's PMI which is positive material identification, and then there's mag particle, dipenetrate. We test the metal without destroying it, but we get an idea if it's sound or not. And is this work that you do in the field with, with uh, equipment, radiography equipment, or do you do it in a, uh, a home setting? How, how does it work? You know, we go to the factories that they're being produced uh, where they're making a new uh, refinery equipment. Uh, they make there a lot of that in Tulsa. Your towers that you see in your refineries, a lot of them are made in Tulsa area. Uh, we go to them where they're being manufactured, and we test them there. So, so you're testing the equipment that actually does some of the oil extraction out of the ground in the region. Does that sound right? Yes. But you, you bounce back and forth a little bit with how the price of oil goes. Does that affect you at all? Yes, big part of it. I see. Because I know the last, uh, you know, we're recording this in the early part of March, and it's been a very exciting few days. Dear yes, God, has. my God. Uh, but we're we're watching oil prices go down at least right now because of international, you know, dealings. And I know that probably gets 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 people a little bit nervous when you see a big plunge like that. Today it's a it's a Monday. The the markets were down big as well as. Um, the price of oil. So everything's coming together kind of in a bad way. Yeah, it's a perfect storm. Yeah. So the perfect storm between the two, and it's going to affect a lot of people. 
Yeah, it's a little concerning. I know. I mean, I'm here in New York, the opposite of Tulsa <laughs> in some ways, and we're all walking around a little bit worried no matter what we do. At least I am. I'm a little bit panicky about this, the virus and well, the implications. I have to be honest. And I, I, everyone's trying to calm me down, but I, I keep, you know, I'm in a very, very, very urban environment and the, this virus is just hitting us. The oil shock is happening and, you know, some parents are keeping their kids out of school. I mean, you know, none of us really know what to do on a day like today. I think that it just it gets a lot of people pretty nervous. Do you, is that would you say that's happening in Tulsa right now or, or no? It's got a lot of people thinking about it. Uh, the oil price, because we are so tied with oil in here in, in Tulsa area, Oklahoma, is, is uh, the oil price when the gas price is real low. That does hurt Oklahoma's economy pretty hard. And the Tulsa area with the coronavirus out there, it's just a double whammy right now. Tell me about your bowling. And I guess I know that you're an avid bowler, but describe the role that bowling plays in your life and uh, what level you bowl at, that kind of thing. I've been bowling since I was big enough to pull up between my legs, and I'm now 56 years old. My wife... Uh, allows me to go bowling all the time. We we laugh about it because she knows that's my stress relief. My job is a very stressful job that I go to. Sometimes I'll bowl three, four times, sometimes even five times a week. But it's a stress relief for me. So uh, I've actually gotten my level. If I bowl below 200, that's a bad game. This last week, uh, exit, uh, my knee problem, that I've had over the last six years that I've been dealt with with this uh, problem. My scores were down, and this last couple of weeks, my leg has fallen so much better that uh, my averages have shot back up. My average last week was about 224 a game. Wow. That's serious, serious. I, I could never even dream of that, but, but of course, I don't pursue it like you. I don't expect I would ever be that good. Uh, and it takes lots of practice, right? I mean, you've got to put your time in. Yes, it's, it's, it's like any hobby. Uh, the more you practice, the better you get at it. I've practiced and practiced and practiced. Uh, my highest game ever was 279, and that's missing one pin. Unbelievable. How long ago was that? Uh, that was probably about five, six years ago when I did that because I've been fighting it, and my scores, like I said, have been way down for me. I go to tournaments. Came close several times in the tournaments of winning them, but just not quite there. <laughs> and so, are you right-handed? Left-handed. Right? Left-handed. So, so you bend. I mean, I know there's a lot of bending in bowling, but I mean, which side of your body takes more force when you go down and release the ball and go through the motion? It's a combination. Uh, my right knee, the one I had re- worked on is my stopping knee and sliding knee, but my left knee is the one that does more bending to get down to where I release the ball. If you notice, if you ever watch the pro bowlers when they bow, how they uh, will have one leg bent quite a bit more than the other. Mm-hmm. And like I said, your, one, your right leg is, for me, my right leg is my stopping and sliding leg where it allows me to get my foot real close to the foul line. And that's the knee that was starting to become a problem. 
And yes. could you sort of chart the, the pain and the problem, let's call it in quotes, the problem uh, by your bowling scores? Could you, could you probably line it up with pain and your scores and they'd match up, would you say? Most definitely. Really? Yes, I mean, you know, their scores, my scores were dropping in the fives, sometimes in the fours, and people that knew me, know, they know what I'm capable of, and they knew that I wasn't right. And and did you have, when you would bowl your mul- multiple times a week, would you start to have swelling? Would you start to miss nights? Was there impact of the knee on your, or did you just bowl right th- through the whole thing? Yeah, I would bowl through it, but then toward the end, before I had the surgery, I had no choice because the pain was getting to where I would go up there and go, is it going to hurt? Is it not going to hurt? Is it going to pop? So it was having me question, and that's where, you know, when you're trying to hit a certain mark on the lane at all every time, that little split decision of not knowing what it's going to do, if it's going to do, was enough to throw you off. I have to believe that there's a little bit of the same thing that happens with a golfer and his back or his knee or her back or her knee in that there's such precision in the motion and repetition is so crucial. And if you're distracted by the what ifs, is it going to feel that twinge this time? And it's got to be really difficult to perform at the level that you're used to uh, in yeah. bowling. It, it does the same thing. Is that right? Yes. Are you a golfer at all? No. No. I bet yeah. you'd be pretty good at it, Gary. <laughs> I just have a feeling, uh, you know, because of the your ability to bowl, I just just... You know, the, the, you've trained your body to follow through the right way each time to, to replicate that motion, and I've got a feeling that it would it would also translate to a sport like golf. Well, I think I'm gonna stick to bowling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that. At 56, starting to bowl when you were uh, it sounds like a toddler. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I and it's your I, social yeah. group, right? That's your social surrounding. That those are your people, the bowlers, I would guess, right? You know everybody. You know everybody, and everybody knows you. And and it's it's really funny because whenever somebody passes on that is in your nights at Tupo, everybody knows it, and everybody will stop and and you know sometimes they'll even have prayer. That's how close everybody is. A real community. So they all were, I guess, highly keenly aware of the knee problem that you were starting to experience and maybe that decision to go ahead with a knee replacement surgery was was that a group thing did everybody know about it they knew they knew that uh, they knew because they could see my scores and a lot of them would say when are you going to have it when are you going to have a surgery and i told them and then i'll be back okay and then some of them were saying no you won't you won't be back this year and i, I go yeah i will i'll be back had, had any of your peers had knee replacements before you Oh, there's some of them that do. There's uh, there's several bowlers that have knee replacement. There's a lot of them because it's so it is demanding on the knees. Extremely. Yeah, it is. Extremely, it is. and on on your right knee, like highly demanding on your right knee. I, I I know you say it was balanced, but I that that's a there's a lot of force that's got to happen on that that right knee when you're releasing with the left hand, right? Yes, it's like I said, it's you're you're going up there when you're bowling. You're taking uh, four. I take four-step approach. That last step, you got your weight 
stopping on that right knee with a 16-pound bowling ball, which is what I throw. This is a 16-pound ball, which is the heaviest they make. All of it stopping just before the foul line. And then you're pulling up and throwing that ball with strength on your left, so you're getting a little torque. So you're, you're right. My right knee does take a beating. And, and your quadriceps muscles have to really be in great shape on your thigh. I've got to believe that that's – I mean, I, would you say that your right side of your body would be slightly stronger than your left, or, or does it balance yes. off because you're left-handed? Uh, my, right, my right leg is my stronger leg. Right, right. So the mechanics of the body are really, you know, you, demanding performance out of that right leg. Uh, you're releasing, so your left, I'm sure your biceps and triceps are strong on your left side, but your right quadriceps muscles have got to be super strong, and it's all in balance, and it starts to get thrown out of balance. And, and let me tell me this, was it just the right knee that was the problem, or did, did you, do you have problems with the left knee now, uh, later? No, my left knee uh, has no side effects. They've actually x-rayed my left knee and there was no problem at all and everything was in the right knee uh they said it was good old uncle arthur that took the right knee well but we kind of okay i'm not going to play doctor because i'm not a doctor as you know and everybody here knows but the lifelong bowling with the force on the right leg it's not that surprising right when you look at it after 50 52 years or whatever number of years you've been bowling that the cartilage, you know, starts to wear the meniscus starts to go on the right leg. That kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. But also my, uh, also my work that it probably has something to do with that, uh, anywhere from 60, 80 hours a week for 20 some years. <laughs> it, yeah. It's it a combination. Yeah. I mean, I would think that would wear both knees the same. But, yeah, no, I, I'm sure that contributed. How How is your weight then, Gary? Did you ever get heavy, or have you been in decent shape all the way? Um, my weight is a little bit on the heavier side, but not much. Uh, I should weigh around 195, but I float between 200 and 215, 217. Oh, man, you sound fine. I mean, we all gain a little weight as we get older, but that sounds... I think it's called age and good cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and does Dorothy cook, or do you both cook, or what happens there? Both of us cook. Really? Yes. What kind of cuisine do you guys cook? Oh, uh, I'm an avid smoker on the smoker. She likes to do stuff out cookbooks and experiment on me. There's an art to smoking. I've got a friend of mine, Brad, Brad Thornhill in Michigan, and Brad has been a web developer, you know, guru on the internet forever. He built our, one of our websites at X10 long ago, but he is into smoking right now in Michigan to the point where he's thinking of going into that as like a career. He's so uh, in love with so every weekend. I'm getting photographs of his smoked work. It's pretty cool. looks good. <laughs> Takes time. <laughs> there's a yeah. Lot you gotta be patient. There's patience and there's several people that like to pellet smokers. I'm no traditionalist. You give me some wood from out, out in the country, uh, certain types of wood that I like to smoke with, and just sit there, and there's nothing more calming than sitting back. And there's a smoker going, and you sit back in a chair and just sit there and relax. Uh, 
We, I, I don't even have a chance. I have no opportunity, Gary, in lower Manhattan for that, that moment. It does not exist here, I'll tell you. That's, uh, I'm envious. That's, that's really – and, and I, I've spoken with so many people from Oklahoma in the last year and a half, two years, as we've sort of been down there helping people. And I hear the same speech. Boy, you should see the view from our front porch. You know, and it's – see the horizon. You know, really, uh, it makes me, uh, makes me want to go visit. That's all I can say. Sounds great. If you ever get, you ever get a chance, southeastern Oklahoma is beautiful. Yeah, you're you're a lot of lakes, and you're in the Ozarks mountains, hills or hills. Uh, they're really good. You especially get down around the Tallahena. There's a Tallahena Drive that's got 40 miles on the east side in Oklahoma, and then 40 miles in Arkansas. Just make sure you have good brakes when you go on it because <laughs> really, they will smoke. <laughs> you are listening to the Bee's Knees podcast. Sometimes a knee surgery recovery requires more than the conventional. It calls upon the heroic. I would go into rehab feeling like a million bucks, and people would stop me and go, what knee did you have done? And I said, I had both done. Getting there. Epic tales of knee surgery, recovery, and courage. A new book by PJ Ewing. Visit gettingtheirbooks.com to learn more. It sounds like Gary maybe six years ago? Is that when you started to notice this knee thing starting to happen? Yes. Uh, I had a meniscus tear, uh, and the surgeon went in to fix that, and he noticed I had arthritis. That was in two of the three areas you can have arthritis. And he said that uh, you would be looking at a knee replacement. We're talking 2014. Things are starting yeah. to look funny. You power through it. Did you have any other uh, moments along the way, uh, injections or anything like that? Yes. Uh, I had the, uh, that shot where they make it out of rooster comb. Sure. Uh, that lasted mm, probably three or four months at the most. And then I also had stem cell therapy done on it. That lasted about a year. And, oh, oh, so Gary, I didn't actually know that. You, you had stem cell can you describe that at all? Where did the stem cells come from, and, and you saw a benefit, actually, out of that? Uh, it, lasted, it lasted about a year. They took it from my own body, stem cells from my own blood, and mixed it, and then shot it into the knee, knee and into the sides. And it was a series of shots four or five times in different quadrants of the knee. And you, you bought yourself a year out of that, huh? Yes, sir. So the hyaluronic acid, which is the rooster comb, Synvisc, that stuff. So those are the two treatments you had, and then there's, there was a moment where it started to wear off. That did you do cortisone, or did you go right to the surgery? I stayed away from the cortisone. You did, yeah, yeah. That's pretty strong stuff. And so you decided to have the surgery, and I guess was it a all right? I'm going to go get this done. Finally, it's time. Or was it a big worry and kind of something that, that occupied a lot of your, your, your brain? What was, what was it like making that decision? Well, uh, going back to your funny part of it was I knew that something had to be done because my, number one, my bowling scores were going down and it was affecting me at work where I'd get out of a chair and I'd have to, after sitting for 30 minutes standing up, uh, I'd have to reach for something to hold myself up. And so I go, hmm, 
this is not going to be lasting. I went to have this looked at it by a surgeon, and they said I have a 56-year-old knee on the left side and an 86-year-old knee on the right side. Mm-hmm. And so my pastor and I, I said, I told him, I said, some reason God's got me going through this. I don't know why, but I will be. Re- it'll be revealed down the road. And I had no fear going into it. I just knew that it had to happen. Uh, no fear. It had to happen. Did you search far and wide for the surgeon? Did you know who you're going to go with? How did that? How'd you pick your your doctor? I picked the doctor because he did robotic assisted to be more precise on his cuts. Now, there are a couple brands, but I think it's probably Mako, Makoplasty. Was that right? I don't know. I don't okay. know what kind of you use. There's a company called Striker, and they have this Mako robot. It's the dominant player. So whenever I hear robotic, I think Makoplasty. Uh, and it's usually the hospital that buys the robot, and certain surgeons get trained on it, and they're able to use it kind of thing. I... I agree with your decision, by the way. I've never had a knee replacement, but I've obviously worked with, you know, thousands of them people, them people. And I would say that it's, uh, it's a good decision. I also will say we don't see tremendously meaningful differences between Mako and non-Mako because we have some case studies where we've got the same surgeon doing Mako or non-Mako and they look very similar. The work is, is the same. I think for other surgeons, however, the Mako is probably a big improvement. Some are just gifted at the old way, and uh, they can do just as well. But I think in some cases, the Mako really enhances a surgeon's performance when he learns or she learns you know, the, the technique. So you did Mako, and you did a total knee replacement, right? All three components, the full hardware? Full hardware. And the only reason I bring that up is that I would say three years ago, I think it was three summers ago, that uh, it was the first year, the first summer that you could actually have a total knee replacement with Mako. It was always a partial for a number of years as it was first introduced, and then it was approved by the FDA to be used on a total, and now it's mostly used for totals. But for the longest time, you had to have a partial if you had the robot. Okay, so what was the date of the surgery, the, the total knee replacement on your right knee? December 3rd. A day that will live in infamy. Okay, December 3rd. <laughs> and um, is there anything notable about the surgeon, the hospital, the, the event itself, or did you just kind of fly through that okay? Well, I said, uh, they're at this hospital. They just kept you one day. I thought that was odd. But uh, coming out of that surgery, uh, it's just like a dead log. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I mean, no movement of the leg. I had to have help move the leg. That was something I was not expecting. Uh, and wife, so when you, say that, when you say that, Gary, you mean that you did not have control over that leg after the surgery, right? It literally had to be moved by somebody else for yeah. two days. Well... You know, what they call for after that, you know, that surgery is or the, the, the need is for a thing called neuromuscular reeducation. Did that ever come up, those words? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, kind of reconnecting the nerves and getting your brain to be able to, you know, be in, once again in charge of the movement of the leg. And that's a little bit of a process, I guess, as you found. Yes. 
So you come home, no problems, right? Uh, but, you know, you got to re-educate that, that whole system. And how did the rehab go? What did you do for rehab for, say, the first month? Uh, rehab did not work too well for me because uh, one thing, I was always a tense individual. I always laughed whenever I'd go, to, uh, every once in a while I'd go to a chiropractor and they would try to adjust me. And it, you sometimes took two of them to adjust me because I was always a tense individual. Well, whenever I started the rehab, uh, the physical therapist that was assigned to me at home uh, had a chore. <laughs> uh, the leg just did not want to bend correctly. Uh, all she could get was 95. She tried her hardest, and that went on for six weeks. I see. So you had home a home therapist come to the house for six weeks? Yes, sir. And then after that six weeks, uh, for that uh, six week or fourth week of that, uh, I had to go back and see my surgeon, and he said I was at 88 degrees on the knee. So it wasn't going well. And so he sent me to physical therapy center, and they again tried to push the knee as hard as they could. So three days a week I was getting tortured. That's <laughs> the only way you can say it because uh, they tried to bend it as far as they can without making you pass out. And that's a lot of fun, right? Uh, that's some things I'm going to remember. Uh, <laughs> and, the highest, and the highest they could get was 95. And that's and with it, pain, right? That's that's the extreme, like, oh, dear Lord, it hurts, and they're at 95 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good place. And so we're finding you at, would I say, six weeks and 88 to 95 is that about yeah. right? That's okay. about right. All right. And everyone's mad. I mean, I guess you're taking it with a good grace. I, I know you enough to know that you're approaching it methodically, but it, it can't have felt like a you were really a success yet on that knee. No. And you can't you couldn't bowl. Well I don't you don't you weren't expecting to bowl anyways, but not six weeks after knee replacement. But but yeah, you were far from being able to, to bowl again. And what's going on in your mind then? Is it um, this is a failure? Or what am I going to do? Or you've got you're keeping the faith. You're going to you're going to figure it out. Well, one of the things I, I how I approached it was I I had to push through it. Uh, everybody everybody that I talked to at church and uh, other people that went to it said you just got to push through the pain. So my philosophy was I was going to push it, push it, and push it. Uh, even when I started with the X10, I pushed it to, you know, uh, I talked to some people and they said, oh, you can do it this long. I said, well, I'm going to do it this long. And that's how I approached it. And uh, the rewards paid off for me. So, well, let's talk about it. How did you find the X10? What was, what was, uh, there's a moment, right, where you're probably online or is it Dorothy online? Who found this X10? Actually, uh, the first time I heard about it, was the the PT lady that I had the first time said that there was a machine out there that would bend it. And I kept that in the back of my mind. And she said, well, Oklahoma doesn't recognize that yet. But uh, So I kept that in my mind. And then after the, the doctor saying, after the first visit, MUA, if it doesn't get better. Well, then the second physical therapist, 
said uh, it ain't getting better. It looks like an MUA, manipulation of the leg. And, and what I've read about that, that's not a good thing to have. So uh, finding out that, I got on the Internet, and I searched out knee therapy machines, and that's when the X10 popped up. And so I researched that. I called you, found out all the information about it. And I do believe uh, we talked for about a day, uh, first day, and then half a day the next time. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I still remember uh, a lot of the words that were said. And I talked to my wife, and I said, we need to try it because we're not getting anywhere with the physical therapy, the traditional physical therapy. So... I look at that moment as um, a, a, a very important uh, transformative occasion. I don't want to say epiphany. I know there were not angels singing in the background, but it was a, a moment where, A, you found something, and you didn't know if it was going to be successful. But what I admire, Gary, is that you both looked at it you know, it's not the standard of care in Oklahoma. It's not in every clinic. It's it's a rarity still. And yet you made the phone call. We had the conversation. And you ended up going forward with it. And I, I admire that so much because it wasn't that you were prescribed it by the surgeon that you trust and appreciate the skills. And it was that you had found it and had enough uh, I think the word is faith that you were finding the right solution and you went forward uh, on those instincts. And I, I, I always admire that because I know that it has a cost to it. It's still not covered as we know in Oklahoma and it's, it's still early in its life cycle, this device. And, you know, yes, there are some precedents and I'm, I'm amazed that your PT knew of the machine because we are so unknown still. But um, just kudos to you for, for following through on that. And you, know, and, and you and I did have a few conversations, and I was trying to, you know, and when, and when we're in those chats, you know, if you remember, I probably spoke enthusiastically about it, but I also was trying to be a good advisor at the same time. At least I, I try for that. I, I, I don't want to sell you on something. I want to see together if it's the right answer you know so you're saying that and then my faith uh came into play again because uh, i wanted confirmation uh that what i was going to do and this actually was funny because i have a doctor that is in owasso oklahoma he's my primary care doctor and he was in south tulsa at a bank and this town's about 500,000 people. Who do you think I ran into in the bank? My no, you're kidding. And I showed him pictures of the X10. And he looked at it on the, my cell phone. I, I pulled up the X10 on my cell phone. And I said, this is what I'm going to do because physical therapy was not working. And he looked at it and he seen the video of the thing being done. And he said, it should work because it works similar to how they exercise shoulders and stuff. So he said it should work. Uh, when we make the movie, I'm not sure who's going to play you. I'm kind of thinking Brad Pitt. 
but um, <laughs> but I can to... see I can see the shot of the bank, you know, walking in. There, there's hey doc, look what I mean. I can just see the scene, <laughs> and we'll 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 have to you know you'll be a consultant on the movie, uh, so we'll have to figure that out. This is going to be a big fee. Going to make a lot of money on this, Gary. I'm pretty oh. sure. I'm just so happy the that, movie. I'm just happy that I found XM. And uh, like I said, the, the support that I had from Tricia and Corky, uh, we ministered to each other. All three of us, we made our own circle. And I was so happy. And I think the Lord put the right people in the right place for me. I, I didn't know any of this was going on. I'm just so happy that, that you, um, and I've heard this from others. I mean, David and Tricia and, uh, and Cork. Uh, are, are all people of faith, and they, and I, you know, Gary, I, I don't want to get too caught up in my own uh, world of words and imagery, but, and I don't want to call it a ministry because it's not a ministry; it's a company and it's a device and it's it's a, 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 a you know a tool and a program. But it kind of feels like that sometimes, you know. I have to just say it. I, I know that's a little silly, but it does feel like it. It does feel like we're we're out there trying to do good work, even though this company was built to, to make a profit and to succeed and all that stuff. It still feels like we're doing good work, you know, for, for so many. So it's a funny feeling. If I would have had this machine two months earlier, like at the end or the middle of December after the surgery, my recovery time would have been a lot shorter. I hear those words almost in that order a lot. I feel uh, in agreement with what you're saying, and I also feel this tinge of anxiousness because I wish we had reached you earlier. You would have avoided some some of the problem uh, along the way, but in the end, it's a happy story. I don't want to dwell on it too much because I it's the X10 turned out to be the solution. You did really well, but can you just tell us a little bit about how it went Maybe some of the numbers. How long did it take? Any, any, anything you want to share about your experience with the uh, the machine itself, Cork, Tricia? Uh, that's this is a great great occasion to to share that stuff. Okay, uh, like I said, when I got the machine, uh, Cork Cork set it up, and we were folding somewhere around 88 to 90 degrees the first night, and like I said, uh, we had everything set up and ready to go as I started. Trisha got on board with me, uh, I think the next day, and we always had prayer, of course, and the machine, I told her that I would run about an hour a day each session, so I was running the machine about three hours a day. Uh, I was gaining around close to two degrees, three degrees a day until I got up to about 120, 118. And then it was slow go for me. But I worked on getting more stronger, getting stronger. And each day I was trying to push a little bit further and a little bit further. And so the first week and a half, I think I was around 105, 107 degrees. Toward the third week, I was in floating between 125 and 130 on the degrees on flexion. And then I was floating around zero degrees on extension. That's uh, kind of poster child, p- picture perfect, you know, 
recovery. I talk about that. I, you know, I say the words two degrees a day and where, where three or four degrees might be pain and one degree is a solid day. Nothing wrong with a one degree day at all. But boy, there's something about, you know, a, a couple degrees and it's most important that day two has two more and day three has two more. Now we're getting somewhere. If we gain two and then hover and go backwards and that, that vicious cycle, that's no good. Uh, yeah. But I, I obviously you did string them together, didn't you? You were able to, and you know, I know it's not a straight line, but it's uh, it's picture perfect, really, what you're describing. Yeah, the machine the machine did exactly what it's supposed to, and like like I said, I talked with Tricia a lot of times, and she was always pushing me to do everything correctly and to continue to push forward. And I couldn't ask for a better PT coach. And as I was going, and there's times that I go, should I go further, should I go further? And she would say, well, stay right there and try working on strength. (laughs) So, I mean, it was experience. And to this day, uh, I'm still maintaining uh, I'm sitting somewhere around 120 on my uh, flexor. We picked it up seven to ten days ago, I believe. Yes, sir. And so, how is that now that it's gone? What are you doing to kind of maintain those gains? Uh, what I'm doing is taking the uh, physical. The first physical therapist that was in my house had me doing physical therapies like heel slides, riding my bike, different stretches to do. My wife is just maintaining the easy stuff and then just trying to maintain it and push it just a little bit further. But the pain is not there. It's more just stiff, a little bit stiff. And work through that. And the doctor that I went to uh, showed him what I was doing. And he asked me a question. Uh, He goes, you want physical therapy or are you going to just continue doing what you're doing? I said, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing at home. I don't need physical therapy. Uh, I got the information that I needed from PT people and do my exercises to strengthen myself. Yeah, because strength is um, crucial to what you do for bowling and work. There was a period of time, those six weeks or so, where your strength was compromised and you did have some atrophy. And, you know, don't be surprised that it's still six months from now that you're still saying, I'm not sure I'm as strong as I'd like to be. In fact, I have this um, this book coming out someday soon, hopefully midsummer, let's call it. And uh, in one of the stories is with a NCAA basketball referee, and he did two knees at once, and he he got back to the first ever to get back to the court and, and ref the tournaments in the Final Four. And uh, he said it really was, I think, 16 to 18 months before he felt absolutely just as good as he might have been maybe seven, eight, ten years ago. Uh, so yeah. it took him a while to get his muscles first strong enough and then completely under his control. Uh, so so you're being also an athlete. Uh, you're going to – I'm glad your scores are up, but I do think that it's going to take this summer, let's say, into the fall before you're starting to hit some, some of the stride that you really want to hit with, uh, with bowling at least. Well, see, I'm a quality control inspector, so uh, I do a lot of inspections. So uh, that's 
something that I've already known that's going to happen. Happen. Uh, it's it's just like Rome wasn't built overnight. Scenario. You got. It's going to be a long drawn out process. But as long as I keep moving forward, like I did on the X10 machine, and not go backwards, I, I have no problem with that. One thing about the X10 machine when I was on it for that hour, I I told my people that I dealt with that. I love to watch Hebrew praise and worship on the on YouTube, and I use that to draw strength from to carry on through. And now that that's the uh, X10's gone, I still love to listen to that while I do my exercises. And the exercises that I do uh, are pretty simple, basic exercises, but they stretch the knee backwards, is which what is what I need. And, and and again, like the X10 does, you gradually increase. Well, that's what I'm doing with my exercises. When I was doing the X10 before, I would ride six minutes on the bicycle and six minutes after I did the X10. So I was doing 12 minutes on the bicycle. Well, now I'm doing 15, 17 minutes at a time when I get on the bicycle. And and the other exercises I do is the same way. I just get it to where it's a pill that I had a workout, and then I'll stop, and then I'll ice it. Well, it's vigilance. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, a lot of people are, are certainly curious, interested in, well, what happens later? And you've described it. It is all about the stationary bike, the heel slides, the vigilance. I just I love what you've done with the... Uh, prayer, incorporating that into the the discipline of the exercise. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I've never been a yoga practitioner, and I know that there can be a maybe spiritual component for a lot of people for yoga, but it's almost like you've invented your own form of exercise and worship in some ways. It's, it's really interesting, and it's, it sounds wonderful, really. Uh, like in this day and age, uh, I, I draw on the Lord more and more. And that is one thing about this whole scenario that when I when we first started talking, I told you that the Lord would reveal why he had me go through this. And one of my things is it got me stronger with him uh, because it allowed me to settle down and relax, watch praise and worship on TV to build myself up. And then at the same time, the X10 machine was working on my knee. And I don't think I could have done it either without either one. It was a combination of the two together went well for me. It, it's such a success on so many levels. And I talk, uh, we do interviews on these shows uh, that have to do with a lot of topics that have nothing to do with uh, physical therapy and knee recovery. It's what do you do after you recover? What new pursuits do you want to go after? What new career changes? What uh, you know, charity, well, how is your life going to change now that you've taken away this, in your case, right leg, six years of difficulty? I mean, that's no longer going to be a factor for you. You've turned this challenging period of time into a very almost holy period of time, and, and you're just stronger for it, it sounds like. Yes, I am. The amount of time I spend in prayer increase. The time I watching and listening to music, spiritually music, increase. Was what I was taking in was increased. And then, the, like I said, the X10 going with it is a win-win for me. 
I think a lot of people will really um, listen to your words and I think they'll be better themselves. Hearing that if they have a knee replacement coming up and they end up feeling like they're a little bit behind, there are choices like this one. You didn't have this at the beginning. You paid a little price, but it, it ended up just fine in the end. You did not have to go through manipulation. You avoided that whole cycle and that longer, longer recovery. And you ended up getting to some terrific numbers and getting back to a game you love and ju- your job. I mean, it's looking right now in beginning of March, looking back, this, this was really the, the, the story that you wanted to be able to tell. Yeah, there's some people that told me uh, when I was getting ready to have surgery that I won't be back for the fall league. And the fall league goes from uh, September to April. And I was back bowling into February. <laughs> so uh, I did pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So, well, did, is there anything else that we, we didn't cover here? Because this has been a wonderful chat. And I, 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 just as we said at the beginning, I really was looking forward to this. And I'm glad we found the time to do it because it's, with our schedules, I know it's hard. But uh, did, we, did we miss anything? Anything that you want to say? Well, like I said, everybody, one of the things that I've been doing around here, uh, when people are seeing what I went through and the people at our church, uh, they noticed about when I was going through the X10 time, they could actually see my walk was better because before the surgery, they, they could see me standing up before the surgery that I had, not moving very well, you know, uh, sitting down when everybody else is standing up, dragging a leg. I mean, it was that kind of a pain. And when I was doing the X10, they started noticing, hey, he's walking a whole lot better. And they would come up, hey, you're walking a lot better. And I'd go, it's because I got the X10 machine, and it's working well for me. That's really beautiful. It's funny how people notice those things. I don't know yeah. if I'm as I don't know if I do myself. I don't pay enough attention. I guess I'm distracted by so many things. But it's neat to see that uh, that, it, that it's being noticed the work that you're putting in. Because I mean, you did not describe occasional visit to the X10. You described a dedication, uh, hour long sessions, a real devotion to the the task. You know, yeah. from your story. I did it three times a day. Yeah. And Except you could do it less, but if you did it less, you would get less. I'm from the school. The more you work at what you want to achieve, the more likely you're going to succeed. I, you know, I hear uh, very regularly throughout my day people telling me that their physical therapist uh, talks about more, no pain, no gain. And, and I, what your approach is, the more that you put in, the more that you get out. I like that a lot better because you didn't have to put yourself into pain to get a lot out of it, but you did have to put in the time and, and the concentration and the dedication and the focus. I mean, clearly you were attentive when you were on that machine. Uh, it wasn't just a, a side sideline, a side note. It was the focal point along with the, the, the watching or listening. I think, as we said earlier, it's 
uh, it's a great machine. It's a great program. I'm so glad that you bonded with Cork Burroughs and Trisha Laman, and uh, those are those are wonderful things. But in the end, there was one guy that had to make this happen, and that's you. And of course, with the assistance of your your awesome wife. Uh, but you know, this was not going to happen without you really, you know, putting your mind on this thing. So I really admire what you did. Yeah, it's, and a lot of people think it's not an overnight, like you're talking, and I, like I said, it's not an overnight deal. But if you take the time and set your your goals, you will find out if you don't set a goal, you're not going to succeed in making your goals. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like this fit you too because it's very, it's very goal-oriented. You've got your coach. She's on the, the watching your numbers. She's working with you. You're seeing a couple degrees. I mean, you're, you're kind of on this path, and it's a very goal-oriented experience, right, to, to gain that flexion. Yes. I couldn't ask for better, better people to work with. They are awesome. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, we're still friends, and that's what's funny. We turned in from, from being a uh, uh, coach and stuff to friends. So great. Well, Gary, this has been really fun. I, I'm glad we did it. I think we're going to pay it forward. We're helping a lot of people in doing this conversation. And I really appreciate your help in showing so many people the machine. And it sounds like your surgeon was really impressed. I mean, I, it's, it's all around a big success. And as we are right on the, the edge, right looking over the, the, into the canyon of, of all kinds of new X10 machines coming to your part of the country, I mean, we're... Uh, you're kind of the bellwether. You're leading everybody to be able to get on it. We're 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 going to be able to support the folks of Oklahoma and the region a lot better, you know, this year. So I'm um, I'm so delighted that you were able to use it. Yeah. Anytime anytime you need assistance, just let me know, and and like I said, I I will <laughs> I will let them know it does work. Uh, just give it a chance because the X10 does what it says. Day by day, you'll grow. The Knee Store. If you're having a knee done, you just may want to share that news with the world. If so, we've got a mug, t-shirt, or awesome tote for that. Visit The Knee Store on CafePress.com. Shop for the perfect item that reflects your feelings about getting back to a full life after a successful knee replacement surgery. Visit cafepress.com forward slash the knee store. Great prices, fun and unique stuff. We'd like to thank a few friends of the Bees Knees podcast, including the Knee Pain Guru. Natural solutions for chronic knee pain without drugs, shots, surgery, or painful physical therapy. For more info, visit thekneepainguru.com. We're also brought to you by X10 Therapy. And special thanks to Dr. Justin Trosclair at the podcast, A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Trosclair, host of two-time Podcast Awards nominated A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. I interview doctors in and out of my profession about their specialties and the occasional non-doctor special guests. But we also go behind the curtain and see what's working for their marketing, overcoming struggles, practical knowledge, book choices, and relationship advice. Join me on any podcast app on your phone or visit adoctorsperspective.net for the show notes pages and free resources. I want you to have an abundant home life as well as a thriving practice. So come on, take a listen.
The Bees Knees Podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.